What do, wait for it, being alone on Valentine's Day, getting caught by your parents straight up doing it, balls deep, and taxes have in common? Mm, All current themes in our lives, right? May or may not be true. But nonetheless, what do these all have in common? Arguably, none of these things are as bad or worse than the man. The man, you know the one. Yeah, the man. Well, actually, taxes, I mean, that's a questionable one because the IRS is the man. But either way, you get the point. Today, we're going to be talking about the man. That's right. We're going to be talking about who's become the man, who's going up against the man, and how it's all unfolding on this very special Wednesday hump day, cancel me baby app. By the way, I just want to give a little shout out to you. Yes, you, you guys for listening to the show. We're going to change the days, by the way, to, to Casey. I don't even know like what universe I'm in. We're going to be changing the days to Wednesdays from Tuesdays for cancel me baby app drops for a reason that I may or may not disclose at some point in the near future, if like the comet and don't look up doesn't take us the hell out by then. But I did wanna take a moment to really thank you guys, honestly, because we are bombarded all day long with content that we may or may not be asking for. And so I know it's overseeming, like I know it is on top of us, like white on rice, if that is even appropriate to say anymore. And so I appreciate you guys taking, you know, 30 to 55, this is so accurate and precise, minutes of your week to hang out with me and listen to me. And, you know, like, unlike some other people in my life, I don't even have to pay you to do it and hang out with me. You just like to. So I appreciate it. And without further ado, let's get into the man. Okay. So I am an expert at going up against the man. And so now I'm seeing it play out in the mainstream. And while part of me thinks it's like pretty rock star and badass, there's also a part of me that's like, this is old news. Like, where, you, where have y'all been? Where have y'all been? Because you may or may not know the story of when I went up against the man that was VH1, like when VH1 was straight up being the man. But before I get to that and how I kind of like see myself in these experiences and can relate, Someone who went up against the man, this also sidebar, everybody take a sip of your hot cocoa, of your chamomile. Like I would actually say alcohol, you know, I'm a fucking grandma. Okay. Get right and get tight. Take a sip. Every time you hear me say the man, and let's get it. Let's get it cracking. We're going to be real Zen sipping on all this chamomile. Okay. Even more Zen than Kim Kardashian through all of this skeet skeet chaos. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about that bitch later, but before then who went up against the man. Okay. So you may or may not have heard this story and I'm just going to tell you in a little nutshell, but the president of Levi's, who was a woman based out of San Francisco ends up coming out about walking away from Levi's. That's right. After being there for 20 years and giving up, they were about to pay this bitch off a million dollars, Dr. Evil style, basically to shut her up. And she said no. So what happened again, going up against the man and making it super chic. Okay. Cutoffs and all. So this lady was the president of Levi. She had worked her way up and 
she, let me just give you a little bit of context. Okay. This lady, when it comes to like diversity and uh, like, I often talk on the show about like the fake inclusion and diversity and like apologizing and trying to like make ourselves all seem like the chief of like the most woke tribe ever and be like, no, 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 I'm not racist. I'm not this. I'm not that. Okay. This bitch puts us all to shame in a real genuine way though. Like not the topical virtue signaling, like pretending let me just like this girl, I am embarrassed. Okay. So she's a white lady, but let me just give you some context because once you hear how like her own company didn't have her back and, um, woke people tore her up, you're going to be like, what? Like truly again, nothing makes sense. Okay. White lady has black kids. Okay. Was put in charge by black employees at Levi's during her time there to head initiatives within the company that had to do with like supporting black employees and people of color and diversity and all of this. Okay. Like appointed by them because they're like, yes, this bitch has got it going on. Okay. There's photos of her in like 2015, literally hooting and hollering at a San Francisco pride parade with her black kids. Okay. Again, I'm in, like puts us all to shame. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this is the best part. So her son, who I think is in like kindergarten or fifth grade, I don't know, something with a five, he's either five or in fifth grade, but nonetheless, she has this kid. This is like where this all stemmed from. Okay. She has him again. You are embarrassed. The new blues clues can't even hold a candle to this shit. Okay. Because she had him in a public bilingual school. So he could learn English and Spanish. I know like the Rosetta stone on your phone is collecting cobwebs and it can't even, I know. Okay. So this is who we're dealing with right now. So what ended up happening was this woman was really vocal about school closures and how extreme and absurd it was in San Francisco where she lived. And she showed photos of her son, like literally looking like Gollum on their living room floor in, you know, covered in a blanket. And she's like, this is him learning. And she talks about how it was so unfair. Like things I've talked about too, how kids are at the least risk of getting hurt or, you know, sick from COVID yet they were suffering the most by virtual learning, not being with their friends, not having that structure and kids like in broken homes who needed that structure, like how much they were suffering. Right. And even like the social aspect, like not being around kids, being isolated, not being motivated to learn, like it's all just bad. So she made the huge mistake of speaking up about this, being like, this doesn't make sense. Get my kids in school. But the man, the man wasn't happy. And how ironic, like we're going to talk about the turn of the tables of the man, but you talk about places, right? Like Twitter, which honestly is a straight up purgatory. Like it is my worst nightmare, but you would think a place like Twitter gives power to the people, right? Like we have a voice and we don't have to depend on, you know, big entities or the government to speak for us. No, we can like go on here, tweet away and have a good day. But no, now Twitter is the man. So what happened? She spoke out about this and she was called everything under the sun, a racist because 
if you like kids in school with no masks and in COVID, well, then black and brown kids in public schools will die. And I guess you want them to die. She literally says in her piece, because she wrote a piece about it earlier this week. I probably forgot to mention that um, about how she's like, apparently I want black kids in schools to die. Me like wanting schools to be open with no masks is racist, even though I have black kids. Like, again, none of it makes sense. Right. So she's called all these things under the sun. And because Levi's like all these other companies are the biggest pussies on the planet, they try to shut her up. They try to tell her, and it's so fascinating for me to read because she goes through all the little things that happened, like how in meetings they would make digs at her. They would tell her to pipe down. They would tell her to like come out and do an apology tour and say things like, you know, I'm an imperfect ally. And she's like, no, I'm not sorry. This is ridiculous. So either way, they tried to shut her up. And what's crazy is she was about to get promoted to CEO. So she walked away from 20 years and she tells like a whole personal story about Levi's and what it meant to her, which is the next part I want to get into here. Right. But so she turned around being CEO, a million dollars, all this to, to stay like true to what she believed and what she saw happening firsthand with her son, because she's like, if they gave me that million dollars, I knew that they would try to shut me up. But moreover, what was really striking to me is how she talks about what Levi's, you know, a, a true blue American brand meant to her, which is individualism and freedom and, you know, adventure and pioneering and making your own way, et cetera. And how sad, because she's like, well, clearly this company caving to this mob who isn't about individualism at all, they're not about that anymore, clearly, I guess. And that what was what was so striking to me. And it also had me thinking too, like we're so committed, right? Like she even talks about this a little bit, like we're so committed to having diversity of what people look like. But look at this intolerant group of people. It's like, you can't think differently though. So I was thinking about it and I was like, what would we rather have? Like, what would, would we rather have a room full of people who all look different but our fembots in the brain and literally repeat each other on cue in a program created by Mark Zuckerberg's like evil twin. In an ideal world, it would be a mix. We would all look different and think different, but it really has me thinking. It's like we've sacrificed one for the other and it's bonkers, right? It is straight up bonkers. So this whole story got me thinking about my time and what happened when VH1 was the man to me, when they, you know, I wrote a story that, a celebrity, you all know by now, if you've listened to my show, Chrissy Teigen didn't like. So BH1 sides with her instead of me, tries to shut me up, all these things, suspend me, I hear from HR, like all the things that this woman went through. And she talks about too, how she helped mentor and nurture so many employees and how none of them had her back. Not one. She's like, she ends the story and it's really powerful. She's like, I'd like to think one day down the line, they know that this is wrong, but they are as silent as the tumbleweed in the wild west. And that's how it was with me at BH1. Like even my friends, they were like, just shut up, just do everything. And she talks about it too. Is it fear out of losing your own job? Is it, you know, you wanted to stay in line and be in the herd and be quiet? It's just overall sad, right? And I experienced that too. So while I hear these stories happening more and more, again, this happened with me at VH1, I don't know, like 
God, seven years ago or something by now, six, seven, maybe no. Okay. That's yeah. Maybe actually six, seven years ago. I don't know. The pandemic brain has me feeling a type of way. I literally am like, it is the year 1999. Brittany and Christina are rocking and rolling and we're having a good time. And Pam and Tommy is actually not a documentary is real life, but anyhow, you get the idea. So I experienced it so long ago. So I'm reading stories like this. I'm going to talk about another one in a second. And like I said, it gets me, I'm like, okay, I'm excited that like, you know, people are catching on to this and they're like putting their neck out and like really sacrificing a lot. Again, 20 years, a million dollars, her reputation, all of this. But I'm also like, this ain't nothing new. Like, where have you all been? I'm over here and I'm waiting. I am waiting and I'm waiting for you. And I say that with purpose. I will wait. I will wait for you per Mumford and Sons, per Yes. The folk classic of our time per the man in Mumford and Sons. He tells a similar story to this Levi's lady. So if you don't remember, he was the guitarist, I believe the lead guitarist, and he played the banjo skipping and hopping away in Mumford and Sons. Similar to her, she was 20 years at Levi's. He was 14 years. Okay. With Mumford and Sons and Sons. So he tweeted, I don't know if you guys remember this. I believe it was last year, but it was basically questioning. And I've talked about this on the show before all of the violence that has been going on. And specifically he takes, he retweeted something that takes a dive into Antifa. And I'm not going to get into the politics of this because like our brains are fried harder than KFC's chicken, but he talks about how it's just so destructive and not okay. And he says like what you can't criticize Antifa because otherwise you're right. Like it's gone so nutty, but either way he questions how this violence has just got it gotten out of control, where it's come from and why you can't question it. Right. So he got extreme backlash. The members of his band were getting backlash and he talks about, this is from retweeting something. Okay. And he talks about how one by one, again, like the last, like, it's like the same thing every time. It's like clockwork, how, you know, he was getting threatened from radio stations. Like the whole band was getting threatened that radio stations wouldn't play their music. He was dropped from this like festival, like all these things were happening. So he decides after 14 years with Mumford and Sons, he doesn't want to bring his bandmates into this, even though again, like her, it's a completely effing valid common sense thing to say, but because everyone has gone so unhinged and has decided to declare themselves the morality police, this man has to walk away from everything. Okay. I know like talk about a mic drop. So he also penned an op-ed because he talks about the Joe Rogan controversy that Connor Moore and I talked about last week. And he talks about how artists like Neil Young and all these people again, are people who were supposed to be rock and roll against the man and now are becoming the man. He's like, okay, Neil Young, yeah, you're going to take your music and boycott Spotify in the name of taking down Joe Rogan. Like, enjoy going to Apple where they're the most man of anybody. Like, have fun with that. And not only that, but it's like, is it rock and roll and entertainment about, you know, different ideas at the table and ruffling feathers and not shutting people up, no matter how much you disagree with them. Like if you don't like so-and-so's lame ass rock song, bitch, you rock out and make a counter one even harder. And that's his point. The Mumford and Sons guy is like, notice how I don't know anyone's names in here, but that is not what is important. You get the story. 
So the Mumford and Sons guy is like, wouldn't a more productive solution be start a podcast of your own on Spotify. We need more speech. We need more music, more rock and roll, more views, not less. Because what happens when we get less and less and less? So the point is Hollywood, it really shined a light, right? On Hollywood, musicians, VH1, Levi's, y'all become the man. And do you really want to be the man? You've let Twitter's become the man. Like all these things that are supposed to be about freedom are now about like our way or the highway, bitch. Like this robotic trance of thinking, and it has a bitch skirt. Okay. So someone else who came out of the woodwork, like this unlikely hero talking about Hollywood, quite literally Hollywood being the man is none other than Sarah Foster. So Sarah Foster is David Foster, who is like the known man. I'll talk about him on my show from time to time, but basically like this man is not going and I've met him and he's lovely, but he has not gone a day in his life without mating with someone like 50 years his junior. Okay. I'm not even kidding. And he is a famous songwriter. You know what? His background is not important. This is about Sarah, his daughter, but he's written hits for like Celine Dion. It goes on and on. Okay. Sarah, his daughter is frigging hilarious. And she, this bitch went off after the Super Bowl, kind of in the same vein as the last two examples being like, are you fuckers kidding me? Basically, she's like, I'm sorry, are my eyes deceiving me? Because you guys are out here having a keg stand with 100,000 people in the Super Bowl in LA, no masks to be seen, right? Basically swinging from each other's shoulders, okay? From the goalposts, like stripping on the goalposts with no masks to be seen. But my kindergartner in the same county has to go to school with a mask and play outside in 80 degree weather in PE in recess with a mask. How does this make sense? Make it make sense. She's like, I can't even see my kindergartner's classroom. I can't see their presentations. I can't meet their teachers. Oh, and the plot twist is if my five-year-old takes down their mask for two seconds, they literally get in timeout, no PE until summer. But basically it's absurd. And she says, get your shit together. She's like, I was born and raised in LA and this is disgusting and this is embarrassing. And so props to you, Sarah Foster, because that's right, bitch. And you know what? I've met Sarah Foster and funny enough, like all roads tying to the man VH1, because when I was working there, Sarah Foster had a show, which was a very like curb your enthusiasm style. And it actually was funny. I feel like it should have gotten more. It was like a female version, right? Like making fun of themselves in Hollywood. And I feel like it should have gotten like more press than it did. However, she and I talked about it when I met her on a carpet and she is that personality. She's very like blunt, funny. And it's funny coming out of Hollywood where everyone is like so superficial and has like three brain cells, but like she is that personality, like very like pull no punches. And so, you know, me a new England gal, like we're shooting the shit and having a good time. And I talked to her, but I was like, I worked at VH1 when you had her show and she made some self-deprecating comment, like what show never heard of it? Like rip, you know, that kind of thing. So shout out to you, Sarah Foster, keep sticking it to the man and they all need to get their shit together. You know, and this whole thing too, has me thinking about what Connor and I talked about in our episode, which is like, Do we let celebrities 
do their own thing and just take it with a grain of salt. And it's something I've described. It's just like a little branch off this like treehouse of fun. But this is something I think about, right? Which is like, you know, we, we get annoyed when they're hypocritical. And this is the other thing too. Like people are talking about all of these celebrities at the Super Bowl. Like they have the receipts of them being like, wear a mask, do your part. And they're over here, like French kissing, you know, in the booth seats. So it's like, what the fuck? It just doesn't add up. And this is why, like, this is a theme too. like stick to your guns and what you believe in. Cause sooner or later, if you don't, you'll look like a big a-hole. Okay. But it's that idea is like, do we just take with a grain of salt that celebrities are like weird? They're like, just do what will give them PR and they're on another level. But then on the other end of it, like we cheer them on when they say something we like, like Sarah Foster. And like when they get taken out by the mob, we get upset. So it's like, can and should they win? That's a conversation for another day. However, it goes into all this, okay, into this gameplay. Now, now that we've established that Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera, like all of pop culture is the man, let's talk about your favorite guy who isn't the man and who goes up against the man, okay? Kanye West, like you knew it was gonna happen, people. You knew. So here's what's interesting about the whole, I'm not gonna get into the ins and outs of like this ring around the rosy with Skeet Skeet, Pete Davidson and Kim and Kanye, okay? But if you don't know, like if you are living in the hole with the groundhog, which it's already been like two weeks, so get your life right. Like I don't blame you for being under there, but here's what's going on. Kanye West went on this whole tirade, okay, on Instagram, like calling out Pete Davidson and like Kim Kardashian. And it's just been this like whole messy thing. And he ended up even coming out and apologizing, saying, I realize it is me. Like, it looks like the optics aren't good. It looks like I'm attacking Kim and all this stuff. Right. And I find it so fascinating because there's a part of me, like I've seen these memes. That's like, we're on the brink of world war three and here's Kanye picking his own battles, like making fun of him. Right. And I even said to someone who sent it to me, I was like, thank God though, for Kanye, because he's giving me something to focus on because if I was actually focusing on what was going on in the world, I would live in aforementioned like bunker with the groundhog and you. So I get it. Cause like, it's all way too much. Right. And I also have to add a personal little anecdote here because everybody's talking about how Kim Kardashian is notably like so Zen. I mean, I talked about her. She did a recent interview on Barry Weiss's podcast and she was like, so Zen even now, like she's always very classy. Like she's out here, like getting bulldozed, right. By Kanye arguably. And she is just like very, you know, very classy with her statements and all of this. And I actually experienced this firsthand. And you know what? I can't say that I blame her. And I always respected her for like kind of respecting Kanye and his struggles and his genius and like the fact that he always went up against the man, right? But I have actual experience sitting down with Kim Kardashian, okay? And she did not, I was interviewing her, it was kind of right before the pandemic, like a year before. And it was when she was promoting her new sunglasses line. And I was there for a site called Refinery29, which is kind of like a cosmopolitan. Now they wanted me at the time, Kanye was doing all his Sunday service and their marriage was really hot. And in the tabloids, I don't know how many kids they'd popped out at this point, but nonetheless, they were all the rage. 
And the outlet, despite the fact that she was there promoting her sunglasses, wanted me to get a little tidbit about Kanye. And the point of the story is I would have to sacrifice like my blood, my firstborn, my social security, like everything you've ever heard of. If I was going to ask about him, because her PR was like, don't even sneeze in a way that sounds like Kanye. And I remember being like, oh, that's like kind of cringe and annoying because like they put their whole lives out there on a national TV show anyway. But there's a part of me that's like, I kind of get it. Like I kind of get it now in hindsight, because could you imagine like how this bitch keeps her Zen? I don't know, but that's part of it. It's like people are poking and prodding in your private life. And you know what? Like he already has mental struggles. Who knows what she's going through? You know, I, there's part of me that gets it. It's like, they're not animals. So if that's what it means, like to keep a little bit of sanity and privacy intact, so be it. So I'm watching all of this play out, right? I'm watching all this play out and I'm like, I get it. Like I get that Kim is keeping the cards to herself. She's keeping it not sassy, but classy. Like I get it. You know, I get it. Like keeping it moving, keeping some cards close. You know what I mean? Oh, and here's a plot twist, by the way, of that story. Talk about the man refinery 29 was also the man. And even though I had a great sit down with Kim because I didn't cross the line and ask her about Kanye, they didn't end up running my interview. So it is nowhere to be seen except in your Yeezys and in your imagination. Okay. But I find it so interesting because people talk about him in a way that's like mocking him. Like I read a newsletter the other day and it's from like a cool hip site. It talked about him in a way where it painted him as like deranged, like going on this tirade and all this. And while I love all the memes and I, they literally make me LOL, like, thank God. And they're all in good fun. I also think it's interesting though, right? Because it's like, can we respect and appreciate someone that number one is just like raw, like we'll put, like talk about putting your neck out for something that you believe in, even if you look crazy, right? Like, can we just, and who is not in the, in line with the man or what the man wants? Like Kanye is notorious for going after the man. Okay. So like, let's just respect it as much as you want to call him crazy and stuff. Now, Here's what's interesting because there's a documentary coming out. I believe it premieres tonight on Netflix. It's a three-part documentary about his life. And in it, they have previewed already that he gets into like a deep dive about his mental health, right? So he talks like things that we've never even heard before. Like we knew that he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but apparently he reveals how he's been hospitalized, suicidal, like how his head feels too big, like his brain feels too big for his skull. Like all of these things that people with mental health struggles, which is everybody on this planet circa 2020 and after can relate to, right? And it's very serious stuff. So I find it so odd because on one end of it, it's like, we have to take mental health seriously. But on the other end of it, it's like, let's just shit on this guy and paint him like he's crazy and deranged. And it's sort of confusing. And it part of me like makes me think like, can we separate the two? Like, can we separate the two and say like the memes and the joking, like, can't we just also take it all with a grain of salt? So here's an example of that. 
I also learned this week that there was a museum that featured Van Gogh paintings, I believe over in the UK. And people got upset because they had insensitive souvenirs. Now I'll have you know, I have seen Van Gogh's real pieces. And when I buy these souvenirs, I've seen such souvenirs in shops that people were uptight about and upset about, and they were called insensitive. And so these stores, these souvenir shops pulled them on demand. Cause yet again, there's no discourse. There's no argument. It's just someone gets upset. And then we pull the rug out from this bitch. So would I buy these souvenirs? Probably not. Is it a little cringe? I don't know. Maybe I remember seeing them and laughed. What were they? Like, I remember after I went, I think it was the Van Gogh museum. I don't know. It was somewhere, maybe the Louvre. I don't know people, but either way, I'm like, oh, world traveling outside of my mom's basement is hard. No, but I got like little postcards that are little replicas of his painting. Now, I don't know if I would get these, like I said, but they include things like, you know, Van Gogh, also mental health issues, psychiatric issues, famously cut off his own ear. So they have things like, you know, an ear eraser and something that's like a kit for a mental breakdown, like that sort of thing. And people got upset, they pulled the items. And this is where like, again, I reflected back and I'm like, oh my God, I remember seeing it and like picking it up and showing my friend and being like, that's funny. Now I'm someone who has my own mental health struggles. I would never write it off as something that is stupid or not real. But at the same time, we have to make fun of ourselves and we have to joke and make light of things. This souvenir shop isn't over here being like, buy this 1999 book on steps for a mental breakdown instead of going to your therapy session because it'll cure all that ails you. Like that's not what they're saying. And it's also like, listen to who you are taking your cues from. Okay. You are taking your cues from the man that is Twitter that is upset about these souvenirs, which is the same man that is making fun and mocking Kanye second by second. So you're really going to listen to these people. Really? How about you just do your own thing? And it feeds into this whole picture, which is like on one end of it, like we mock and make fun of it. The other end of it, we get like all really uptight about it. Right. And in the end, I mean, what Van Gogh and Kanye West have in common, I feel like to bring it back to the man, the madness, I've talked about this as well before, like the madness that comes with creative genius, even if that is a really dark psychiatric side, why can't it be both? Why can't we talk about it in a serious way and honor that, but also make light of it too? So all of that goes to say, we're seeing a really unfortunate reversal right now. We're seeing all of these entities, all of these, you know, again, rock stars, fashion brands, pop culture sites who are supposed to push the envelope, actually seal the envelope with their little lips instead, right? And you're seeing all of these people rise above and go against that, whether it's Kanye, whether it's the Mumford and Sons and his poor effing banjo, whether it's the Levi's lady, whether it's me in my cubicle at VH1 in Times Square, you're seeing all of these people put their neck out in almost such an extreme way, but in an honest and raw way, if it means actually getting a message across and standing up for something against the man. And so in the end, I ask you, who do you want to be? We're getting real philosophical, like Dr. Phil 
Ooh. But really, who do you want to be, guys? Who do you respect more? The person who is the man or the real one calling the shots here, those going against the man. <laughs>